We're going to look at um, God's expectations. And, uh, you know, we have expectations, but I really doesn't really matter what our expectations are unless they match the expectations of our Lord. As you're turning there, I want to remind you of the fact that our expectations should match the expectations of the Lord simply because as Christians, we will not be judged for our sins. As Christians, we will be judged for our works. All right? And it's very, very important. And we know that there's a judgment seat of Christ. There will be uh, silver and gold and precious gems. There will also be wood, hay, and stubble. All right? And those, all those uh, works will be tried with what? Fire. And uh, we've had a couple fires. We had our original church burnt. And guess what? I know wood doesn't hold up under fire. And I'm assuming that uh, straw and uh, any other combustible material will not. And same thing with our works. So very important that we're not necessarily working to, for that, but there ought to be a passion for what we do. And God has an expectation. And uh, I want to encourage you to realize that uh, we can meet God's expectation. We see here that the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians gives us that in chapter number 3. And I hope that it will be a help to you. While you're, while you're there, I want to give you some verses out of, the, out of 2 Corinthians uh, that really kind of parallel some of these ideas that, uh, that we're going to look at today. Um, talks about our, our standing before Him in that time of judgment. Let me get the right verse. Maybe I won't. All of this just before I came to the pulpit, and I thought I knew where it was at. I thought it was First, Second Corinthians, chapter one, but I can't seem to put my hands on. Yeah, where we must all. What is it? Five ten. Okay, there you go. Thank you very much, brother O. Verse number nine. It says, "For we labor." that whether we present or absent, we may be accepted of him. In verse 9 of chapter number 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to he hath done, whether good or bad. So there is accountability. Uh, we've been talking about a lot of accountability. The idea that we ought to be accountable to one another. I, you've probably seen your young people running up here and they're having me sign their devotionals. That's just accountability. We need to be, have that. We need to have that, that idea. When you bring your people that uh, you've invited out for VBS and we're going to pray for them, that's a little bit of accountability in there. So it makes you say, well, yeah, I should be out there and I should be inviting. 
And because it is part of who we are. It's part of, we're responsible for the things that we know. Um, often look back at the time when, uh, out of the Old Testament, when they had the individuals that, the outside was the enemy and the inside and the lepers were in between. And they said, boy, uh, if we go, we'll be killed by the enemy. If we come in, why, uh, either way. And they decided, well, let's just try it. And come find out they, there was no enemy there. And they were enjoying the spoils of the enemy that had fled. And then after a while they said, the people inside are starving. And how would we be if we didn't tell them that there's no enemy? There's accountability. So God's expectations is for all of us. And I pray that we'll take that seriously. I, as your pastor, am going to try to do the best I can to take my role and responsibility because the Bible talks about me as a pastor having to stand before God, give an account. And, uh, and I hope that you understand that we all, in a sense, do that. If you'll take your Bibles and stand out of respect for the Word of God, we're going to read about seven or eight verses. The Bible says in verse number 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we hear the heart and mind of the Apostle as he bows his knees wanting your expectations to be fulfilled. Lord, I pray that we would have the same desire. Lord, you by your grace have placed us in this generation. Lord, it's not anything surprised to you of what the world thinks of you or your word, but Father, you have placed us here to be a witness and a testimony. And Lord, it is our responsibility and privilege to be able to stand in this day and age. And Father, stand for the truth and stand for salvation and stand for your goodness. And Father, I pray that Father, for not only for our good, Father, that we're speaking of, but Father, for the good of those that you've come for. Help us since only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So what is God's expectation? We're going to go through these verse by verse. Uh, If you need to, take some notes. This may be a lot more teaching than preaching. But it's important that what Paul was doing and outlining here in these verses was saying, listen, this is God's expectation. And if we have a full understanding of that, we'll be ready... As we think of John 17, 17, that we call that the great 
prayer. That was the prayer of the Lord for his disciples. Here we have the apostle in the same, same way praying for others. He says be strong in his strength. When you look at verse 14 through 16, you'll see for this cause I bow my knees. Unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does he bow his knees? Look up in the verses before it. Even look in verse number 8. He says, Unto me who am least and least, least, less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and make all men to see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things. By Jesus Christ. Verse 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. According to his eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulation for you which is your glory. What is he expressing here? Is he expressing his heart? And you think, well, that was the Apostle Paul. What would you, we would think nothing less of that it be the Apostle Paul. Listen, the Apostle Paul is no different than you and me in many ways. He was a sinner and destined to go to hell without the intervention of the Lord Jesus Christ into his life. Guess what? He loved him. Isn't that good? He just loved him. Somehow God stopped the Apostle Paul that was killing Christians, opposing the church, kicking against the pricks, and yet God in His grace arrested him, knocked him off of his animal, and opened his eyes. God went to a lot of trouble to love a man that didn't love him, that opposed him. Listen, Paul felt the passion and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to, in order to be able to accomplish that, we have to be with His might, by His Spirit. We're going to do VBS. We're going to do some door knocking. I was out here yesterday, and boy, what a blessing that was. I haven't been able, I, I told somebody, I think I said to church last week, I wanted to get all the things done while it was cold. Guess what? It's not cold. And man, what? A, and you know what? I, both visits that I was able to make was well received. I was so pleased. I was so excited. And, I, and it just God confirming in me there's people out there that need to hear. I went to this one house and I was looking for a man named James. We've been praying for him. He didn't happen to be home. I didn't know that at the time. And when I knocked on the door, I'm looking for James. Never seen the guy before, only got some text from him. And she looked over and she says, um, you know, and she kind of, you could see the look on her face. Well, there's a preacher here to see you, James. <laughs> and do you want to, and so he comes walking over. Well, lo and behold, this wasn't the James that I was looking for. <laughs> and this guy, and he, and he, and I, after we found out that I was looking for a while, his, that, his name, we call him by Jim. He doesn't go by James. But in the thing, I said, well, I just have, a, I have a, some brochure here for him and a gospel track, and I shared a little bit of that. 
Before I left, he says, do you have another one? Do you have another one? That little phrase kicked in with me. There's people out there that need to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't do it in our strength. We don't want to do it on our strength. We want the Spirit of God to be in control of our lives. In verse number 10, that He would grant, look what it says, for this cause I bow my knees. In verse 16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with the might by His Spirit in the inner man. Do you think the Apostle Paul needed that to do what he did? How many think uh, that Paul needed that? Man, you know, Lord, this is a heathen country. This is the uh, Roman government. Uh, uh, they're not, they're Jews. And when the Jews, they're opposed to us. I don't think we can do You know, we tell ourselves that, don't we? Well, it's just the weather's too cold or the weather's too hot or the people are too unfriendly or they're too uh, uh, much uh, uh, opposed to us because maybe they're born and raised in a, a very Catholic environment or something like that. We need his strength. Luke chapter number 1, if you look in verse number 80, we find the Christ himself. The Bible says in verse number 80 of Luke 1, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert until the day of his showing unto Israel. The Bible says that even our Lord was waxed strong in spirit. Who did that? Spirit of our Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse number 15 and verse number 1, if you want to turn there with me. Romans chapter 15, verse number 1. Then we that are strong ought to do what? Bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Romans chapter 15, verse number 1. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Watch ye, stand fast in faith, and quit you like me, like men. Be strong. Then quit. I thought you said we were supposed to be strong. Listen, that's an old English term, but I like it because it makes us think about it. The idea there is to carry through or do or perform something to the end so that nothing remains to discharge or perform completely. Act like men! (laughs) Be strong! Spiritual men! Think a little David, you know. All those soldiers were down there huddling behind, scared of Samson. Where in the world did David get the courage and the wisdom and the faith He says, he can't do that. (laughs) That's not the will of God. That's not the mind of God. Stood strong. We're living, you know, I was thinking, well, we live in a, 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 you know what, I think every age is a tough one. (laughs) We just kind of think ours is tougher than any of the rest of them. Yeah, we've got a lot of opposition. But we've got a great God. Powerful God. All-knowing God. There's no reason that we can't be successful if we're going to do it in His strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. 
For through, though we walk in the flesh, we do not what? 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That word war is in there for a reason. When I think of war, you put war by yourself, it's, a, it's an issue, right? People get hurt, people die, things get broken. Those things happen to us and happen to Paul. We don't war after the flesh. The Bible says in verse number 4, For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but what? Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. So we have our minds, if we're not careful, we'll control the way we behave, right? Right? I mean, didn't that happen? Our minds, but God says, I have the strength over your mind. If you've got an imagination that, that uh, looms there, well, I can't, well, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? Be honest with me. How many of you have stopped short of sharing the gospel because of fear of what they might think or what they might say? Or what they might think of you? Is that a vain imagination? How many think that's probably a vain imagination? How many of you think that maybe we could implore God to say, listen, God, I've got a thought that doesn't line up with what the Bible says. I need your help. I need to say, right? I need not stop in doing what your will is and sharing the truth so that uh, the, the people that Jesus died for could hear the truth about the gospel and be saved. Aren't you glad somebody did that for you? Aren't you glad somebody didn't stop? It says, you know, I'm going to share with this, you, the gospel. Let you make that decision for yourself. Well, God is still doing that. So we not only be strong in his strength, but we have to live by faith. In verse number 17, the very far, first part of the verse, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by what? faith. So the reality of it is, as a Christian, believe it or not, there's going to be times that you're not going to live by faith. How many would agree with that? You've had times already you haven't lived by faith. So he is bowing his knees before the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Lord, I, I want these people that you know, of Ephesus to know, hey, there's going to be challenges to the uh, opportunities that they have to live by faith. That Christ may dwell. That doesn't mean he ever leave you nor forsake you. That's what the Bible teaches. He didn't leave you. It's just that you're not taking advantage of his presence in your life. To live by faith. In Acts chapter 14, we find in the early church that that's the way they did things. Acts 14.22, if you want to turn there with me. It says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the what? Faith. I wouldn't mind at all. That guys at work. Come. And you know what? That's a big blessing to me. They're confirming. Saying, Pastor, keep living by faith. It's, it, it's real. It's right. 
Are you living by faith? Are you trusting God for what you need to do? Boy, there's so many oppositions. You know, when I went to part-time, I said, well, you know, uh, I'll have three days now, and I'll really be able to serve God, and the Spirit of God says, oh, you got more than three days? You got five days if you want them. What do you mean I got five days? I need to work part-time until I'm 66. I had no comfort in that. When I was called to the ministry, that was the same way. I kept saying to myself, well, you know, you got a family to raise. You're 39 years old. You can't go off to Bible school. you got a family. you gotta, you got to make a living. I could, I could shout and yell and scream all that I wanted, but God never gave me no peace. Okay, I don't know how this is going to work, Lord. I mean, really, I mean, i got my home, i got my job, and... My wife doesn't work, and you say I'm supposed to go to Bible college or, or serve you in a full time. I don't. I don't. I, just follow. <laughs> Quit trying to convince yourself of something different. But he doesn't end there, exhorting to continue in the faith, and that we, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. That's what it says in Acts chapter 14, 22. That's what he's telling us. He says, well, hey, you know, uh, Garfield Ridge Baptist Church, guess what? We're going to live by faith. We're going to do the thing. It's going to be like uh, easy. <laughs> Pastor, you're lying. There's going to be bumps in the road. How many of you know we've had some bumps already? How I many you know you hit those bumps and you get jarred around a little bit and you say, wow, I don't know that I can take any more of this. Better live by what? Faith. Better do what God tells you to do. Better pray. Better read His Word. Where does faith come from? Come on, give me a verse. Where does faith come from? By the hearing of the Word. And the preaching as well. Memorizing as well. Teaching as well. You parents that we're going to get you down there teaching your kids in Sunday school. That is not just for the kids, by the way. When you teach something, you've got to learn it. Right, Dano? you got to know it. <laughs> because God wants you to live by faith. Acts chapter 14, verse 27, a little farther down. And when they were come, they had gathered the church together to rehearse all that God had done with them and how he had opened the doors of faith. Isn't that good? Under the Gentiles. See, it's not only you need faith, but you need faith to give some others some faith. <laughs> right? Right, Brother Lewis? We need some faith to pass it on. It's exciting. You know one of the most exciting things in a church? Is when new people come. How many know what I'm talking about? When they come in, they sit down. Wow, it just generates a church. It encourages us. Acts chapter 15 verse 9, if you want to follow along. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Boy, isn't faith a good thing? It does so much good for us and for others. Verse chapter 16 and verse 5. And so were the churches established in faith and increased in number. What? We don't want to say that. And increased in number daily. 
Because of what? Faith. Acts 16, verse 9. So we've got to be strong. We must live by faith. It is the will of God. It's God's expectations. He doesn't expect us to do what we have to do in our own strength. Thirdly, the Ephesians needed to hear not only be strong, but to live by faith. Number three, to be motivated and anchored by what? What has your pastor been preaching on for the last month? Love for souls, love for God, and love for each other. Right? We, that is, if, there's, if there's nothing else we understand, God sent His only begotten Son. Right? Because He so loved the world. We're going to go and do things that are contrary to our flesh and to the nature and to what, the, what others want to do. But it's because we want. Love God. God, I love you. You're good to me. I can't believe the, what you've done in my family. And God says, I didn't just do it for you. I did it for those around you. We'll share what you got. Isn't that what Jesus told that young guy when he got saved? He says, go home and tell thy friends. All the good things God's done. Wasn't that the instant thing that the woman at the well wanted to do? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, she went back and he told them all that the Lord had said, done. So we'll go in here, we'll listen. People will if we'll do it. To be motivated, anchored by love. Notice what the verse says in the latter part of 17. Rooted and what? Rooted and grounded. I was doing a little electrical wiring downstairs. And I got a little zippy zap. <laughs> I just got a little bit. You know, when you really get in love with God, you get dead. What? Yeah. The flesh dies. You just get in love with God and that's all you can think about is Jesus. It's all you can think about is serving Him. You're rooted and grounded in love. I'm glad I wasn't rooted and grounded in the electricity. Take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 7. What is motivation? What motivates us? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a what? Rock. <laughs> Founded upon a rock. Rooted and grounded. Right? Well, we need that, don't we, Teresa? Well, I just, God, you know what I'm going through. You know the wall I hit. You know the, 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 the problems I have and the discouragement that I face at times. Lord, I want to be on the rock. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 25. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a what? Woo! So you get a little shaky, just remind yourself where, where you're founded on. On the love of God. 
And that love is unshakable. Isn't his love, come on, Christian, is God's love unshakable? Unmovable. Why he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Unmovable. Boy, I'm glad of that. Boy, we had the families leave, and you know what? If anything shook this pastor up, it was that. You loved them, you cared for them. A lot invested. Still love them. Still pray for them every day. Pray for them every day. You know what? The amazing thing about it, shame on me, God is warming me up even more. I love them more than I ever did before. And I think, wow, I wish I could share with them how much I love them. That's what it means to be on the rock. A lot of verses in the Bible. I'll give you a few. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, if you want to turn there with me. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. (laughs) I like that verse. Galatians 2.20, yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live again by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What are we motivated by, folks? What grounds and roots is the love of God? Well, it's not because, well, I've got to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and I'm afraid of how I'm going to be if I don't do what I'm, I need to go out and witness at least uh, 40 hours a week and, and I need to uh, knock on doors and hand out tracts. That isn't the reason. Yes, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But we're motivated by what? The love of God. I hope I never get so, uh, 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 so far away from God that i got to do things because, why? Well, that's what i got to do. It's sick. It's a sick Christian. In verse number 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. That means if, if, if God says, listen, I love you enough, I've given you a, 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 a love for others, and you don't have to use from your own supply. Matter of fact, yours isn't, isn't, isn't good enough. I'm going to supply all the grace you need to love somebody that's unlovable. Woo! Wow, good deal. I got some folks out there just fit that bill. They're not too lovable. Love them anyway. Pray for them anyway. They're your enemies? Pray for them. They meet, treat you mean? Turn the other cheek. Because why? God's love is rooted and grounded. So I don't frustrate it. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Verse number, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. If you're not there, I'll give you a chance to get there. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. For out of much affliction. 2 Corinthians 2, 4. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears that you should not be grieved, that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. Psalm 
2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 8. Wherefore, I beseech you that you should confirm your love toward him. If you know anything about this, God probably almost tore the church up. They run some church discipline on him. He got right. And they did what? What did they do? They restored him. That takes a lot of love. But God, it's all about love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 14. For the love of God does what? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For the love of God does what? It constrains us. Because we thus judge, if one died for all, then all were all dead. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 4. But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience and afflictions and in necessities and distresses. But I want you to see that all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. He gives these litany of things in stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors and watchings and fasting and by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by love unfeigned. The real, the real McCoy. I'm going to move on. The great prayer of Paul. Saying, listen, God has an expectation. You need to recognize it. You need to appreciate it. Not only do you need to be strong in His strength, not only do you need to live by faith, not only that be motivated by that love, rooted and grounded, but there needs to be passion. I love, I've said this before, but I, I tell you what. I even told Danny one time, I said, you know what, I don't agree with the Pentecostal, except I like their passion. I do. I like their passion. God loves passion too. Don't, don't they call the death, burial, resurrection, what do they call that when they do a play? The passion of Christ. <laughs> he didn't do it. Well, I got to do this. He did it because he loved. I like. He's like, hey, can you imagine? Arms stretched out, nailed or strapped or something, nailed to the cross. Feet tied, can't hardly breathe. Wearing a, a crown of thorns, beaten. The Bible says his visage was so marred you couldn't tell he was a man. Come on. Put it in your mind. I'm not going to play this back to make you feel bad. I'm going to say while he's hanging there, they're railing on him. And he says what? Father, forgive him. And not only that, but one of the two guys that were hanging with him Saw all that. And he says, would you remember me? Does passion mean something to God? Did it mean something to that thief? Man, this ain't no ordinary guy up here. <laughs> hey, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, he, he ain't no ordinary guy. And it says uh, he's the king of the Jews. I got to believe he is. 
Maybe that sign was put up there just for him. And Jesus said what? Today. Come on, you say it with me. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. God loves passion. We need to be able to comprehend it. Psalm 103, verse 10. You might not be able to get there in time. He hath not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Psalm 103, verse 10. Verse number 11. For as the heavens is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. Verse number 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far He hath removed our transgressions from us. I love Job. You know, Job was a very spiritual man, if you didn't know that. He hit the wall. I don't know how many of you hit the wall. He lost all his family. He lost all his health. Right? I mean, he was an upright man. Wasn't nobody like him. But one thing he knew about God. Verse, chapter 11, verse number 7. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is as high as the heaven. What canst thou do deeper than the hell? What canst thou know? Verse number 9. The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. How many know that song? There's no ocean wide enough? (laughs) Deep enough? Didn't we sing one for our kids? Wide, wide is the ocean. High as the heaven above. Deep, deep as the deepest sea is my Savior's love. We didn't even comprehend that. You know that we talk about being motivated by love. But we need to expand it to the degree that we're passionate about it. He says, listen, Ephesians. You got the truth. You've been saved. You know what it is. But listen, just don't hold that. Do something with it. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a, on a tree, teaching us that denying ungodliness. Titus chapter 2 and verse 12 And worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Fifthly, we need to be strong. We need to live by faith, motivated by love, passionate. One of the things you see in verse number 19, I want you to read, to know the love of Christ. Which passeth knowledge. To know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So there's a need to be filled. You know when you're filled, there's no room for anything else. 
you fill with God, it becomes inextinguishable. There's nothing can can interfere or or mess it up. And that indistinguishable hope is what God wants us to have. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching this message? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, a lot of that religion we have, we just wear. You know what the difference is between wearing it and living it? Being it? You know, it gets to the point that, 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 that if you are filled with the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ, His Word, His will, you have a mind, a heart. Listen, you have a desire where everything else fades. I don't care what it is. Everything else is not the will of God. Somehow it comes, well, do I really have to do this? It's taking some of my time. It's taking some of my resources. I mean, really? I got to thinking about it, and the Lord brought to mind and said, you know, listen, old guy, you're 64 years old. I don't know how much longer I'm going to give you. You may not make 66. Yeah, you're probably right. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. The Bible says that the indistinguishable hope, in verse 18, who against hope, what? Believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which is spoken of. So shall thou see be. Who is he speaking of, by the way? Romans chapter 4. Who was that individual? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. So are you. So let's just have the same kind of hope that he had. Against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. Who's to say, Christian, who's to say you get a truckload of hope filled by God, somehow you might be the person that leads someone else, maybe inadvertently, to Jesus Christ. It just rubs off. It just rubs off. That's why I'm so convinced you have children. I believe this verse, the, more I, more I, the older I get, I believe, I find so many verses in the Bible. You live for God. And you love God and you serve God and you got the mind of God, the heart of God, the spirit of God. Guess what those little ninos are? Say, boy, my dad, my mom, they really love God. I mean, it ain't, it, I mean it, it's so real. I feel like the Lord is at our kitchen table. It's so real. I said, boy, if we thought about not going to church, why, I feel lightning might come from heaven, hit us. got to be an indistinguishable hope. Romans chapter 5, verse number 2, same book. By whom also you have access by faith into His grace, wherein you stand and rejoice. (laughs) Because you have this access into this faith and grace, wherein you stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And I just want Jesus to get glory today. I had those good receptions with those folks I met. I couldn't keep it to myself. 
I, I just had to go home blab that to my I couldn't even wait till I got home. I got on my phone. Tell Debbie, you wouldn't believe how they... Uh, and it just was, seemed like a miracle. Well, why wouldn't it be a miracle? Why wouldn't God say, well, I was just doing what he told me to do. Romans chapter 5, verse 4. Patience, experience, and experience hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because what? Romans chapter 5. The hope maketh not ashamed. Verse 5. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Woo. It ought to be that people ought to say, man, he's a Christian. I can just tell by the way he looks. The way she looks. Just got that countenance that, like he'd been on the mountain. <laughs> what you so happy about? What are you smiling about? Just, Jesus is good. <laughs> He's just been good to me, my wife, my kids, my church. I don't know. I must be insane. Well, you ain't got any money. You ain't got a good job. I don't know. I ain't got enough sense to be sad. Got that hope that God gives. Romans chapter 8, verse 20. For the creature was was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Vanity means empty, right? We're subject to that, but we don't have to be de- we don't have to be ruled by that. In verse number twenty-four: For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? Verse number 25, but if we hope for that which we see not, then we do it with patience. What? Wait for it. That's believing without seeing. You ever heard people, well, I'll believe when I can see. I'm glad I can't see. Because I have something God's given me that don't need no eyes. Inextinguishable hope. We're almost done, folks. Bear with me. So we have to be strong. You won't be able to see all these now. My PowerPoint got small on me. You have to live by faith, motivated by love, be passionate, and indistinguishable hope. Here's a big one. You know the church has taken some hits. Let me tell you. Better behave when it comes to the church. Because my Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. It's like the Jewish nation. You know, you have these leaders. <laughs> I know they don't know Christ, but you know what? You don't go against the Jewish nation. How many know that? You don't play with the Jewish nation. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? He went in there and he walked up on them because God told him to. Then God turned around and whipped him. <laughs> Because you don't mess with the Jewish nation. Same thing is true. You don't mess with the church. And you, Christian, I'm just telling you that today. Make sure whatever you do, you don't do damage. Are you listening? Because you will stand before God and give an account for that. 
And you know what? I don't care what the, what people do. The, the church is going to keep going. It has for years and years and centuries and centuries, and it'll keep on going. The only reason it quits going is because people lose a little bit of that strength, faith, love, passion, and instinctual hope. But listen, the church is going to go on. Look in your Bibles to verse number 20 of Ephesians. Now in him that is able to exceedingly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works. I'm sorry, I'm ahead of myself. We're on prayer now. I can't even read it myself. To be believing and, <coughs> believing and bold in prayer. Good thing I read it. How many of you believe in prayer? I mean, believe in prayer where you, you say, you know what? There's people in my life God's put in my heart to pray for every day. How many believe that? You're acting on that faith. Bold. You know, remember when the veil was rent? Who rent it? Where did he start? Started at the top and he rent the veil clear to the bottom. Why? Somebody tell me, why did God put that illustration in our Bible? The access to the Holy of Holies is open. If it's open, Christian, what should we be doing every day? Woo! The priest could only go in once a year. And they had to go in with blood. We go in because we're covered in the blood. And you can go in any time, day or night. It doesn't matter whether it's a holiday. It doesn't matter whether it's a high day or a low day. A good day, a bad day. And you can say, God, I'm coming in here under the blood. I need your help. How many think God's interested in hearing from you? Believing and bold in prayer. That's what he told the Ephesians. Listen. It's not like it used to be. I know there was a holy of holy, but it's open now. Luke chapter 19, verse 46. Saying unto them, it is written, My house is the house of prayer. He didn't say it's going to be called. It is. What it's all about. Guess where the temple of God is now, folks? Come on. Where is it now? Right here. And he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Luke chapter 21, verse 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. I throwed that one in there. That there's going to be some things that aren't going to be so ha- happy. Because we can escape those things through what? Prayer. Ver- chapter 22 and verse 46. Same book. Luke chapter 22 and verse 46. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? <laughs> Rise and pray. Lest ye enter into temptation. So you make it through some troubled times and you make it through some temptations. How many of you ever faced a little temptation this week? One. Got a little temptation? Pray. I can't be remiss if I didn't give you what the New Testament church... Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but 
Prayer was made without ceasing of the church, Acts 12.5. Acts 12.12, and when they had considered the things, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was John, where many were gathered together. Doing what? We've got a problem. (laughs) Our uh, friend Peter, Lord, you know, got an issue down there and doesn't look good. You've got to help us out. Factual fervent prayers of a righteous man. Avails much. Acts 16, verse 13. And on the Sabbath we went out in the city by the riverside. What do you think they were going to do? Bathing? Swimming? Prayer was to be made. We sat down and spake to the women and resorted thither. So they went out to pray. God gave them an opportunity to witness at the same time. Verse 16 it came fast as we went to prayer. A certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her master much gain by soothsaying. Seems like the Lord is just working things out in a mighty way. The last one, which I got a little hit on. In verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church. I don't want to say too much. To comprehend the value of your church in this world. The world hates the church, by the way. He does. And they want to lock those doors, and they're working on it as we speak. That's why we quit having this as a polling place. There's a reason. I think we ought to be good citizens and vote. I was just afraid if we let... That happened. They might let say, well, you don't let these other people come in and they want to do this and this and this. You let them come in and they're not members of the church. I thought, ooh. <laughs> Whoa. Maybe I called the alderman or the precinct committeeman and I says, you know, maybe we just hold off on this for a while, you know. Because the world hates the church. How should you and I think about it? My son, Andy, has a real good one. I, I'm, I'm thinking about doing it. They had T-shirts made up, big red T-shirts, with a big white background in the front and the black sign on the front that says, I love my church. <laughs> and they went out and handed gospel tracts out. <laughs> Boy, did that get people's attention. <laughs> Couldn't miss them. Uh, what is it? They didn't have to ask what they were handing them. Something about Jesus. Do you love your church? Jeremiah chapter 33. Let's get a little bit of the Old Testament first. Verse 8. He's talking about the Jewish people, but it refers to them in the same manner as he does his church. In verse three, chapter 33 and verse 8, And I will cleanse them from their all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. Verse number 9. And it shall be... I don't know what happened there. I'm pushing the wrong button. Verse number 9. It shall... And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, an honor. 
before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them, and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. That's why the Bible is called a glorious church. You can raise your family, and your son and daughter don't have to be whores and homelanders. Did you know that? You can raise your family, and they grow up to love God and dress right. Talk right. Like the right music. It's a glorious church. Without spot or wrinkle. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 23. To the general assembly of the church of the firstborn which were written in heaven. And to God the judge of all and the spirits of just men made perfect. That's your church. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints into the household of God. And you're built upon a foundation of apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building is fitly framed together and groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also you are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. I'm done. What's God's expectation? You have to ask yourself that question. Simple little prayer of Paul. Ephesians, listen, God has got so much for you. It's like how many of you got little kids, you know? Got children. How many of you have got high expectations for your children? Man, you just say, man, I can see them right now. They're going to love God. I can see them right now. They're going to serve God. I can see them right now. They're going to be a good daddy or a good mommy. I can see them right now. They're going to be a good neighbor. They're going to be a good grand. They're just, you know what? I can see it. Guess what God sees, Christian? He looks at you. And he says, you know what, I'm going to give them the word, I'm going to give them the spirit, I'm going to give them the church, I'm going to give them the faith, I'm going to give them the love, I'm going to give them the strength, I'm going to give them the passion, the hope, the prayer, I'm going to give them everything they need. My question to you, is it going to be gold, silver, Precious stones. Say with me. Gold, silver, and precious stones. Because you say, Pastor, that I can't have anything else because everything else will burn. I want to meet God's expectations of me. I want to meet Him for myself. I want to meet him for my spouse. I want to meet those expectations for my children. And I want to meet those expectations for my church. But most of all, I want to meet those expectations for the one who died for me. I want to do it. Because I don't know why he did it. How many of you ever asked that question? For one year after I was saved, this question plagued my mind. I knew the truth about salvation. I knew I was saved. I knew I was going to heaven. And I couldn't understand why I knew it and nobody else did. How many ever had that? I, it plagued me. It bothered me. 
And I'd ask God, I'd say, God, why'd you do this for me? Why'd you choose me? And I couldn't get the answer. I can remember one day. And the thought came to mind again. I said, God, why? You didn't show anybody else. I've talked to all my family and friends, and they're all like, Whoa. But God showed me. And it was just, I, I, if, if God wasn't in the room with me, he didn't speak with a voice, I didn't hear no audible voice, but it was just as clear. And I know when I stand before him, he's going to tell me the same words. He says, Kurt, I did this because I love you. And that ended it. I understood. Meet God's expectations. Because he does what? He loves you. And he'll never quit loving you. Isn't that good? People may come, people may go. But God never changes. Why don't we make a promise to God today? God, by your grace, I'm going to work my hardest through faith, prayer, through the church, to meet those expectations you have for me. I'm not going to do things half-hearted. I'm going to give up my all. Let's stand as we close. Father, we thank you. I thank you, dear Lord, for sending your only Son. I thank you, Father, that he met your expectations. And he knew he met your expectations. He said he always did those things that pleased the Father. Not because he had to, because he wanted to. Lord, please take us as your sons and daughters, 